Brooks here with you to wrap up the Blue Cross Bowl and the 2022 season here on the Mid-State 48, powered by Miracle Auto Group. Uh, go ahead and bring in other guys. I've got Scott and Cam with me. Guys, uh, welcome in. I know it's uh, kind of surreal to say that this season just ended, but uh, here we are several days after the Blue Cross Bowl talking about it all. Yeah, I'm feeling it. How about you guys? Eight I'm games, feeling it, but I'm days. also starting to starting to get a little depressed. Oh, this is, you know, the best time of the year. We get it for roughly eight months of the year, but uh, we're heading towards the home stretch here. Uh, we are finished with high school ball, finishing up here quickly with, with college ball, and then uh, February Super Bowl will be here before you know it, and then we have four long months before we do this again. Oh, there'll there'll be there'll be things going on before you know it. Uh, seven on sevens around the corner. You know, you know we'll we'll keep a we'll keep everybody informed. We'll yeah, have plenty be, for you. Stuff to talk about for sure. Yeah, it's a, for sure. No, we don't have to worry about yeah. that for very long. Um, and still, plenty of stuff to talk about in the off season as far as our players of the year and our oh yeah all area teams and then national signing day. Um, stay tuned for that. There may be a little something coming down the pike on that one too. So yep. not quite done here for all the stuff for the 2022 season, but, uh, in this episode, we got to talk about it and, uh, let's, uh, let's start with, um, let's start with the biggest news that's come down in just the last few hours. Um, TWSAA has pushed through NIL, name, image, and likeness for athletes in Tennessee. It's a, it was a unanimous vote, 12, nothing in favor of passing NIL immediately. It's when it takes well, they had to do it. They had to do it because uh, if they hadn't, uh, there you know they risked a lawsuit, um, uh, litigation. You know somebody would have would have pushed for it. It's happening. It's going to ha- eventually be in every state. I mean, there's just uh, it, it's coming. So just prepare. It's and uh, and you know, boy, it didn't take long to get once they said, said go to get them out of the gate, did it? No, it definitely didn't. It's like these these deals were kind of already in the works. They were just waiting on the word. Yeah, the big thing is, uh, guys, just like in college ball, um, anytime you start something new like this, it's going to take time to, to figure out the, the small details, uh, the fine details, and what should be allowed and what should not be allowed. Uh, if this thing is treated uh, the way that it should be and ran the way that it should be, Guys, this does nothing to our game except benefit some kids, benefit some players that that are lucky enough to uh, to get some NIL deals and, and be able to, uh, you know, have something or do something uh, nicer. Now, if it turns into a recruiting pitch for some coaches, like it has in college, then that's where we start to have a problem uh, and it uh, really taking over the game at that point. Let's. Yeah, that's going to happen, but that's that's happened for years. Um, in in one res, uh, respect or another, I believe TWSAA referenced a uh, a car dealer at uh, that uh, uh, tried to do something similar to this. Uh, it's been some years ago that you know that we've seen that. And I and I think if I'm understand correctly, as long as the school's not involved, that you know there can be some movement, there can be some enticements. Um, it's kind of hard though to fault. I mean, if, you know, it's kind of hard to fault the kids, you know, taking advantage of this football has changed the way that these kids it's different from the way when I played, it's different from the way, uh, you know, some generations after me played it's, it's so much goes into it with, you know, lifting programs and nutrition and uh, you know, you got club ball type thing, seven on sevens. It's a year round thing. This has turned into a job for these kids. So why shouldn't they be compensated? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, the main thing here is if the school can't be involved and you can't have any posts on social media with, you know, school logos or, or TWSWA logos, and you can't reference any accomplishments, that that's another thing that they're going to have to navigate. And uh, the biggest thing I see out of this is, as prevalent as social media is now in our lives, it's really a a big part of players of their background because they have it like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever. 
that's going to be the biggest thing. You're going to see a lot of stuff on social media that will really be beneficial for their NIL programs and, and for their bank accounts, honestly. And uh, that's the one thing I'm really looking to see in the next few months as these things start to take hold. And I'll credit uh, TWSAA uh, right now. They didn't go in. They went, they, they are, they opened it up without, uh, you know, they, they put a, a loose group of rules around to kind of let, let it play out and let it see instead of trying to, you know, get their hands around the whole thing and just watch everything, you know, slide out of their fingers. Uh, you know, they're really taking a holistic approach to this, which I think is a, a really good idea. The biggest problem that I see with, with NIL, besides the fact that you are likely to see some recruiting, uh, I'd hate saying recruiting, but an enticement because a recruiting it really makes you think of the school and not uh, a booster or, or a fan or something like that is uh, the jealousy aspect. Um, I think that, you know, you're going to start, you know, you're going to see instances of locker rooms, de- uh, locker room degradation, um, you know, or, you know, you mentioned social media, you got one guy that's, uh, you know, representing you know one thing and then a bunch of the players on the other team you know kind of pile on something like that you know yeah you know those types of things uh you you know those are the pitfalls you have to watch out for yeah and we dial it back for just a minute just remember that when the TWSAA put this out to the administrators i think it got a 90 percent approval vote from those from those administrators so the schools were massively in favor of this so you know it's something to keep in mind as well and it'll be interesting to see also that as schools as this goes on if schools want to be associated with the player uh will they uh challenge twsaa to allow those uh because the way i understand it right now there's some loose uh uh, law or guidelines, there, there's some wiggle room there that uh, TWSAA is going to have to negotiate uh, when it comes to schools that actually want, uh, you know, you know, let's just say Junior Cheryl. I'm just throwing a name out there. Uh, you know, if Lipscomb wanted that, you know, to be associated with him, associated with uh, uh, a business, uh, right now he can't be any part of that. If they wanted to, then and yeah, you know, legal entanglements there. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just uh, very early, very early in the process, and we'll see kind of how that that takes hold and uh, how many kids do really benefit from it. I mean, it's that's it's a big deal, but I don't know that necessarily it's going to tear the fabric eyes of football apart. I just don't. I don't see that happening. There's still way too many out there. And you're talking about what the, the top one or 2% of players probably. If that, if that might even be half a percent. Yeah. So now we have to uh, hand out some hardware for the uh, blue cross bowl championship games. It is our player of the week presented by miracle auto group, or should we say players of the week? Cause there are two. Yep. Well, one one vote for offense, one for defense in the championship games this week. And let's start with that offensive side. You had Friendship Christians, Brock Montgomery, seven catches, 11, 111 yards, three touchdowns for him in their championship game victory over Nashville Christian. Procone's Darius Reed, six catches, 178 yards, and two scores. But Procone fell in their championship game to Anderson County. NBA's Marcel Reed, it was a losing effort, but 16-24 for 263 yards, five touchdowns through the air, eight carries, 78 yards for the NBA signal caller. Lipscomb Academy Junior Cheryl, 11 catches, 141 yards, three touchdowns, and seven carries for 60 yards, and another score in the Mustangs win over CPA. Pro Combs Keyshawn Tarleton, 11 for 17, 275 yards in the air, three touchdowns, and Oakland's Eric Taylor, 18 carries, 175 yards, and four touchdowns for him in the Patriots win over Beach. 
fan vote concluded with Brock Montgomery getting their vote this week. So the Friendship Christian standout has that important vote. Uh, Top Dog, if you can't be with us this week, is going with Marcel Reed for his uh, standout performance. Can you with Brock Montgomery? I did uh, set the tone early in that matchup with a big, long touchdown reception. Uh, really was the difference for the commanders on the offensive side of the ball. Um, didn't seem like National Christian had an answer for him. Uh, picked up several, um, scored three touchdowns, but picked up a couple uh, third and fourth down conversions uh, on simple drag routes where he just outrun the, the corner that was guarding him. Uh, when Friendship needed to play, they went to Montgomery, and he made them, made them and ultimately helped bring home a go ball. Scott, you picked Eric Taylor. Yeah, in a game where uh, running was, you know, going to be the premier, uh, the premier thing going on there. That you know, Eric Taylor just he he beat up on that uh, on that beach defense. Um, that second quarter was pretty much all him, and getting four touchdowns against that beach uh, beach defense, I thought was uh, was just a a, a big time. Uh, it was big-time performance by a big-time player. Speaking of those, I took Junior Cheryl, and he was nearly untouchable against CPA. If he got his hands on the football, he was headed for the end zone. He didn't take long to get there. Four total touchdowns, you know, 201 total yards on 18 touches. Yeah, a dream game for him, and uh, he got my vote for player of the week. But with two votes out of – this group, it's Brock Montgomery from Friendship Christian getting our Offensive Player of the Week for the Blue Cross Bowl. Now, let's flip to the defensive side. More Friendship Christian love here. Carlotta Barton for Friendship Christian. Seven tackles, two solo, two tackles for a loss, and an interception for the Commanders. Jorge de Arroyo, if I messed his name up, I'm sorry. Four tackles, all of them solo, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, and a forced fumble. Oakland Strell Franklin, seven solo tackles, 10 in total. As he plugged up that open line against Beach, Pages Eric Hazard, 11 total tackles, six solo, two sacks, which, if I'm not mistaken, came out back to back plays. Four tackles for a loss and a forced fumble. Oakland's Nathan Hepburn, eight tackles, two solo, two tackles for a loss and a forced fumble. And Friendship Christian's Tyler Smiley, three tackles. One of those solo and two interceptions, including one of those, ran back for a touchdown in that close win over Nashville Christian. Fans voted for Eric Hazard. So did Tom. Cam, you went with Tyler Smiley. I did. Uh, Eric Hazard was my number two. It was tough uh, to pick against him, but ultimately I went with the team that won on championship uh, uh, Thursday. And Tyler Smiley, what – two bigger plays than a pick six against a guy that has only thrown uh, four or five interceptions this year. And then an interception to end the game with 17 seconds left. And it just so happens the same uh, player caught both. And that was Tyler Smiley. Yeah. You second that one. I did. Uh, you know, as Kim said, no bigger play than that initial pick six that gave, uh, that gave friendship a, a two score, a two touchdown lead. Uh, in a game that was going back and forth. Uh, it really kind of put the game out of reach. And then, you know, the coup de grace, the interception uh, at the end as uh, Nashville Christian was uh, moving to tie the game, and he uh, ends their drive with an interception. To me, there weren't any much bigger plays than those two in a game that was only uh, a seven-point difference. It's really difficult for a player on a team that did not have a close outcome to make this list on the defensive side. But Eric Castro's performance certainly was worthy of him being on this list. That said, I had to agree with Cam and Scott. I went Tyler Smiley as well, um, really just because he made the play that won it. I mean, when you had to have a play to win a state championship, he made that play at the end of the game. And, uh, He's going to not only catch a couple of interceptions, but he's also going to catch a player of the week award for that defensive effort. So friendship Christian getting both out of the blue cross bowl with Brock Montgomery and Tyler Smiley winning miracle auto group player of the week awards for the final time this season. So, and to, uh, 
And oh, Scott, you got something? Yeah, well, I just want to say, and you know, I just want to make sure that we have a special uh, shout out to Miracle uh, Auto Group uh, for sponsoring this award uh, every week. Um, you know, what a great, uh, what a great company, what a great group uh, over there to to support uh, high school football this year. While we're at it, let's hear from them. Hi, everyone. Jim Galvin, Miracle Ford, your Ford dealer in Gallatin, Tennessee, since 1980. Great news. Beginning now. When you need service, we can come to you. Our mobile service van comes to you wherever you are. Whether you need oil change, lube, routine maintenance, warranty, filters, wiper blades, batteries, bulbs, recalls, and more. Visit our website. Or call us now. Are you ready for the miracle? I need all that stuff. <laughs> Who doesn't? Hey, if you need a Shelby GT500, come on by. We got one Ooh. on the lot. Oh man, oh you made me, you, you sent me that picture today. You made me cry. I had to or, stop for a minute just to look at it and admire it, just because it was beautiful. But uh, it is price tag was not. Folks, we are talking about a hundred and twenty thousand dollar car um, there at the dealership at Miracle Ford. Uh, it is one of uh, three in the United States in that color with that package, but uh, it's definitely a sick ride. And if you can afford it, come on by. <laughs> See, Cam, he'll show there. it to you. Key words there if you can afford it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks to Miracle Auto Group yeah. for, for sponsoring the Player of the Week Awards this year and this show for that matter. And I can't thank you enough for that. Um, let's talk, let's go back to last weekend in Chattanooga guys for a minute and just talk about, you know, what we saw from those games and what stood out to you the most. Um, we've had our standout performances. We've just awarded those, but uh, what else stuck out to you from those championship games? Scott, Chattanooga whiskey glazed wings. Um, <laughs> Very good. Very good, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh, Southside social over there just next door to uh, Kenley stadium. Yeah, that was a good yeah. place. That was a good place. Well, you know, what stood out to me uh, about that uh, was the, uh, the performance of mid-state schools um, kind of got a hand to them this year. Uh, if, they, if they weren't playing uh, each other, then somebody from West or East was uh, winning the game, and that, uh, that kind of surprised me uh, going into these games. And there were a lot of close games, a lot of good games this year. Um, there were only a few that really got out of hand, uh, you know, early. Uh, so I thought that the football was really good. Uh, again, the venue was stellar. Um, uh, you know, you know, Chattanooga was a, was a great host and, you know, I really, really enjoyed, uh, the experience. And I think that, uh, from the fans that I saw that they did too. Yeah, really the two big ones that I'll take away. The first one and the the biggest one to me was, guys, Metro was closing the gap. Uh, not won championships since 2008. Uh, first time ever, I believe, sending two Metro schools uh, to a state championship weekend in the same weekend with East Nashville and Pearl Cone. Uh, East Nashville hung tough for, a, a, for quite a while with uh, Alcoa, just a couple of mistakes there and uh, – Quarterback Zach Beard going down with an injury. Uh, Alcoa was able to pull up, pull away a little bit. And now Pearl Cone losing by four to Anderson County in a year where literally everybody said they're a year away. So Pearl has not reached their their top yet. Uh, they're definitely a team to look out for next year. Uh, a little bit of foreshadow there. Uh, but Metro is closing the gap, guys, uh, with coaches like Jamal Stewart and coaches like Tony Brunetti. Uh, those guys are, are legit football coaches that have brought discipline, have brought character, uh, have brought the goods uh, to Davidson County, uh, Davidson County, and uh, they're starting to show on the football field. And then number two is, guys, this was your opportunity to beat Oakland. <laughs> Nobody did it. So uh, the Patriots, uh, it, it's going to take uh, something strange happening for them not to, not to be back in Chattanooga again next year possibly. Yeah, that was kind of my biggest takeaway is, you know, Oakland did it again. And, and not only that, it was a a dominant second-half performance over Beach. Now, give credit to Beach there, that first half, to keep it to 14-6. Now, they did a very good job there. 
but they just got worn down in the second half. Oakland's depth, as we kept talking about, kind of the key thing there. And then Eric Taylor let loose in the third quarter. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I think that uh, not being able to punch that in when they had a chance there early in the uh, third quarter, uh, after that it was it was gone. Yeah, that game really swung on that first drive out of half. Uh, you know, you have to you have to wonder as a football fan what happens if they do take the field goal there, uh, and it is fourteen to nine at that point. Um, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, and that's the way the games go. And oddly enough, Eric Taylor busts a seventy-plus yard run on the very first play after that, and things just kind of steamrolled on Coach Crabtree's bunch. Yeah. Let's go back to Thursday as well. You know, the way Lipscomb Academy just kind of marched on to another title for the end of Trent Dilfer's reign there with the Mustangs. Um, it was impressive. You can't really say anything other than that. I mean, they, they literally just manhandled CPA for the most part. Well, yeah, we're talking uh, NIL, so. <laughs> yeah, one of the best I, one of the best teams money can buy am i am i right uh so many just totally talented players on that lipscomb academy team um you'll see i'll go ahead and tell you you'll see multiple of those guys playing on sundays not just saturdays on sundays yeah. um going forward uh, you know just way too much talent for cpa uh, i feel like coach martin and cpa really felt pressed or you could tell early on uh you know Going into that game, we mentioned that they had to follow a game plan, and they didn't really try to follow a game plan. They knew they were going to have to score points, so they were airing it out early and often. Uh, I believe they finished the game with 12 carries for 46 yards, uh, so averaging almost four yards a pop, which is about where you want to be for that ground and pound uh, game plan that we said that, that they needed to follow. Uh, but ultimately, Lipscomb put up 42, and Coach Martin knew he was going to need points and uh, just couldn't find any. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Second second year in a row they got shut out in championship game too. Yeah. Uh, I mean you look at uh some of the stats here, you know, Lipscomb ten of eleven on third downs compared to one of nine for CPA. CPA with eighty yards total offense, only five first downs where Lipscomb had twenty three. We talk a lot about Trent Dilfer and offense, but this defense was no joke this year. May have been one of the best defenses ever in 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 uh Tennessee high school football, uh just with the sheer talent on that team. Yeah, I want to give a quick uh shout out to Coach Lee down at Vanderbilt. You have a complete stud coming your way in junior Cheryl, buddy. Uh mm. running the ball, catching the ball, special teams um, he's going to be one to watch in the SEC, and I definitely think that's a steal for Vanderbilt. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the, that, the other Thursday games, uh, French Christian at Nashville Christian game, we talked about it maybe be the best game of the weekend. Arguably, you could say it was. I mean, came down to a play there at the end. Tyler Smiley made it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really all weekend the story was points. <laughs> you know, every, every game uh, – the story was points, and ultimately in that game, uh, you saw, you know, going into the game, into that game, we really thought, said to ourselves, is Jerry Curtis going to be a freshman? Finally, is he going to be a freshman? Is the moment, you know, too big for him? And the moment was not too big for him. He performed. He had about a six-minute stretch there in the third quarter where he was a freshman, uh, made a couple of mistakes, and friendship capitalized on him being a senior-heavy team uh, just to really – uh, fundamental team, and they capitalized on the mistakes and ultimately uh, brought home the gold ball. Yeah, I mean, it really was a, you know, score, score, score. It, it really was going to come down to who had the, who had the ball last. And, uh, you know, you know Tyler Smiley kind of, uh, you know, making that big play, you know, kind of broke that cycle. Uh, the Eagles had a chance there at the end, but, you know, this was about an even of a game. You know, we talked about a contrast in styles. Well, you know, let, let's just call it what it was. Garrett Weekly came out throwing. You know, we expected to run, 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 and Brock Montgomery just torched that Eagle secondary. And, you know, and it really became, you know, a, a, a horse race there at the end. It was – you know, who was going to run out of gas? And it, and it just so happened that the Eagles ran out of gas at the end. Yeah. 
you know, that Thursday nighter, NBA and Baylor. What does NBA have to do to get a gold ball lately? Because they just let they let that one slip through their fingers. Yeah, that, that you know your heart breaks for those kids because uh, this was the team to do it. I mean, this honestly was the team to do it. They they were excelling on all sides of the ball. Your your quarterback is is excellent, and I think it really came down to the one you know the mistake. You know, he fumbled the ball. And you well, know that kind of that kind of once again broke that cycle of give and take. We got to talk about it. Unfortunately, yeah. we have to talk about it. And I want to start this by saying we're not taking anything away from Baylor. You are the state champions, rightfully so. Uh, that game is the exact reason replay needs to be at the state championships. I understand that you cannot have it throughout the season at every field. That's not what we're asking for. You are costing kids a chance at a state championship. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. We saw two really, really, really bad calls in that game. A a non-called offensive pass interference and and a play where the ball was punched out at the two-yard line, and they said that he was in before the ball was punched out. both resulting in Baylor touchdowns. So you cannot say that it did not have an impact on the outcome as they both led to points, immediate points, not next play points on that particular play points. Uh, That's just the lead up. There were missed calls over every game, but that game in particular, I feel like those calls ultimately changed the outcome of that game, uh, unfortunately for NBA. Uh, Now with that said, did NBA go and fumble afterwards when they had a chance to go down and win the game? Yes. Their first lost fumble of the year, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, you hate it for those seniors. They've been to three state championship games, and they have three silvers to, have, to answer for it. You hate that. But at the end of the day, you, had, you played them in week 10. You gave up 34. You played them in the championship game. You gave up 38. Baylor made more adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, Cam. I think that, you know, those were two obvious and glaring calls uh, or non-calls. You know, the, we, that punch out happened right in front of me. And I, I still can't understand uh, how they, how they missed that one. And then the, you know the OPI was uh, was pretty egregious. Um, it, it's unfortunate. Now I'm sure Coach Uvar to be the first one to tell you they got to overcome those and 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 things like that. But you know it, it's unfortunate, and I, and I agree with you. It's not because referees are bad. It's because they need help. And as these games and kids get faster and faster, and as these games get faster and faster, it's hard to see everything. And it's at the state championship level, it's important we get it right. At the end of the day, if you miss a call in the regular season, you missed a call. You miss a call in the state championship game, you're affecting, you know, a state championship outcome at that point. Yeah. I mean, look at it this way other states are already doing it. If Tennessee wants to be out front and not be reactive, they need to go ahead and do it. And if that means going with a different production company to produce the telecast, so be it. But you got to get it right. And ultimately, they have it. And that's that's something that they've got to take a hard look at this immediately in order to not make the same mistakes. Yeah, I mean, the, the stadiums are set up, you know, you know, they're set up for it. So, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't take much. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if you were watching the games, you heard some loud boos and um, other things going on. That's because they were showing the replay on the jumbotron right after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about these Friday games real quick. I mean, East Nashville and Alcoa. Um, just you, you. You wonder kind of what if for East Nashville, what if they were able to kind of keep pace a little bit longer with Alcoa and maybe. Well, they were, 
It's real simple. Ahead, it was 21 to, 20, 21 to 20. They gave up 10 points in 31 seconds. Yep. Going into the halftime. You went from a 21-20 game to a 31-20 game going into the half. Uh, second half was, was not the same. Zach Beard goes down pretty pretty quickly with the, uh, an injury and uh, East Nashville just didn't have an answer for, for Alcoa's run game really is what it came down to. Lance Williams, a three amateur football winner, uh, had his way with defense end, linebackers, safeties, defense linemen, whoever you put in front of him for East Nashville. Uh, really, for that matter, probably anybody in any classification. Uh, he's just a bulldozer. Uh, and uh, Alcoa took advantage, ran behind him all night, and East Nashville couldn't find an answer. Yeah, I, I think, and and you know, it should have, would have, could have. Um, you know, when you when you start second guessing, and you know, I don't, I, I don't want to second guess coach, but I'm going to go through and uh, kind of just. The, it was the sequence. It was that short kick after scoring uh, that gave them gave Alcoa a short field. Um, then you know they score, and then you mishandle the kick on the next kick and so they end up scoring like 24 points like in two minutes and 26 seconds later and it, yeah. if we're talking about that particular play on the kickoff that's in a, that's another missed call by the referees yep by the way uh they whistled the ball dead as the alcohol players diving on the ball the alcohol player never has possession at that point, if the ball goes into the end zone, it's a touchback. If the ball does not go into the end zone because he never gained control of the ball, it's an inadvertent whistle, and you replay the the kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that one that one really changed. I mean, Alco Al got three points out of that sequence, that part of the sequence, but still, you know, that was a big three points here. You never know. Yeah, well, and when I say. Alcoa only had the ball for two minutes and 26 seconds in the second quarter and scored 24 points in the second quarter. <laughs> I mean, that was just a, a, you know, a really bad sequence of events. And yeah, you're right, Cam. There, there was, you know, there's another missed call that, that puts you behind the eight ball as it were. Um, you know, it was the turnovers in this game that got them. Cause you know, quite frankly, you know, East Nashville's in the game at 31-26 at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately they, they needed to try to finish and were able to do so, and uh, it's silver again for East Nashville, second year in a row for them, and then Pearl Cone, you know, uh, had their chances, but uh, ultimately could not overcome Anderson County. And they yeah. fell in a close one on Saturday. Well, let's, let's talk about the dog. That was a nice yeah, dog. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Ella. Ella. Ella's a, Ella. Yeah, the, the dog for Anderson County, who uh, very valiantly retrieved the tee after every kickoff and did a great job of it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a nice. Uh, it was a nice uh, change of pace. Mm-hmm. And before we start on, start on Pearl, I uh, just want to give kudos to uh, Anderson County and uh, really their fans and their players. Yeah. Were they were super respectful. Uh, just really happy to be there. Their first trip to a state championship game uh, finally got over the hump of, of Greenville. You know, they've had some some quality teams in the last 10 years, but they've always ran into Greenville. This year they got past that and brought home a go ball. Uh, and as far as Pearl Cone goes, uh, you know, defensively, I thought that they they played pretty well. Um, you know, really made Anderson drive the, drive the ball. They struggled in the first half a little bit with uh, – the screen plays and, and stuff like that for Anderson uh, with the linebackers getting too committed uh, to the run game that Anderson had going early on in the game with uh, Moog and, and Gavin no uh, Navy commit. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I don't think we saw enough deep plays. You no, know, that's, that's think- the one thing for me because Pearl hit uh, Reed on a couple big plays. They hit Higgins on a big play. Had two ADR touchdown throws, and we were trying to run the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they, it, it, they showed Anderson as much respect as we just gave them. They did not have anybody on their sideline that could guard Reed at all. Not at all. And mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, I don't feel like Pearl took full advantage of that. But uh, he is a junior. He'll be back. So will quarterback Tarleton, uh, which went down before the last drive, unfortunately. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if he could have finished that drive as they were, uh, you know, as they were going down there at the at the very end. Uh, what he might have done. Uh, the stats that really stood out to me was the 49 yards rushing. You talked about that, Cam. Pearl never could get their running game going. Uh, meanwhile, Anderson County did a really good job of finishing drives, extending drives with the run. Pearl never could get off the field. Um, you know, Pearl was one of seven on third down conversions, but Anderson County was nine of 17. That's, you know, when you have 17 third downs to seven, first of all, that tells you that Pearl's quick striking and Anderson's just grinding, grinding, grinding. Uh, the second thing is, is that they had, you know, they did more than half. They, they were successful. So when your defense can't get off the field and when your offense is, is playing, um, is scoring and having to go quick or going in and out, your defense gets gassed. And I think that's what happened at the tail end of this game. Page, unfortunately, took, takes it on the chin against Knoxville West. Um, what might be the most impressive performance of the weekend by Knoxville West. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we heard about uh, Braden Latham all week uh, heading into that game, and I really thought Paige handled him very, very well uh, for the most part of that game. I, I know he broke a couple of runs, but uh, the big thing was, is, you know, it was 0-0 zero, zero at the end of one. We thought we were finally getting a defensive matchup, finally, after all the points we've seen uh, up to that point. Uh, and then they go back and forth uh, two times, and, and West really figured them, figured Page out uh, defensively, uh, and was able to throw some quick game um, little out routes and, and stuff like that to get their athletes in space, and uh, just really took advantage. And uh, you know, Page just couldn't keep up. Another big thing, a big moment in that game was in the second quarter. Colin Hurd goes down with an ankle injury. Um, was able to play through it in the second half, but, you know, he was not uh, mobile at all and uh, really wasn't stepping into his throws the way that he normally would. Uh, but really, Wes got up, and Paige was having to try to play catch-up and, you know, just couldn't do it with uh, Hurd not being able to step into his throws. Uh, I'll give you a stat. Negative six yards. Negative six yards rushing um, for Paige, and that – you know, as a team that will throw the ball but likes to run it, or at least it likes to be uh, balanced, you know, they just didn't could not get anything going on the ground. Uh, 0 for 11 on third downs, but the one that really jumped out at me was that they were 1 for 1 in the red zone, but one time. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, you know, you know, Knoxville Wester just really took off in, the, again, 26.2nd quarter. They had four straight TD drives from the late first quarter into the late uh, late in the uh, second uh, second quarter. Well, no, I'm sorry, into the late into the uh, fourth quarter. So, I mean, it was just a dominant performance by Knox West. Yeah. Take nothing away from this page team, though, because I mean, the way that they got through the postseason to get there, you know, having to win three tough playoff games on the road, you know, it's a job well done for them. I, you know, a second straight runner up is not obviously what they wanted, but it's still nothing to nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, what a group of seniors to be able to, to battle back yeah. and get there. I mean, it, I, I honestly believe that this may have been uh, Coach Rathbone's finest job coaching this year. Um, he really took a team that uh, was tr uh, trying to find its identity early in the year um, and, you know, trying to change a linebacker into a quarterback, uh, you know, as a full-time starter. I, I really think that he did a masterful job this year, and these kids did a masterful job. They just ran against, up against a very talented Knoxville West team that uh, was kind of a team of destiny. Cam, you kept saying that, you know, there's always one team, you know, every year that seems to just have it all together. And and, that, and this is probably that team. 
Yeah, for sure. And it definitely was a telling sign to me that uh, I don't know. I can't remember a team that's beaten Alcoa and Maryville in the same year. And West did that this year going 15-0. Uh, you know, they're the clear-cut 5A state champs. And honestly, as a football fan, I kind of would like to have seen what would have happened if they met Oakland. Speaking of, let's go ahead and discuss that briefly. We've talked about it already at length. Uh, Oakland, the three-peat, first time in 6A. And, you know, as impressive as the last two years were, this team might have been even more impressive in that some people were expecting them to fail. Well, I think that just speaks to to Coach Creasy uh, more than anything. Um, you know, it some teams have good teams, uh, and they make a run and they win a state state championship. Coach Greasy is a program beater, a builder. Um, you know, he built, rebuilt in his own way at Trousdale County um, after taking over for Clint Satterfield in 2008. Uh, and then what he's done at Oakland is really just – Oakland's probably – they're clearly the perennial public school in the state of Tennessee, and they may be the number one – target school in Tennessee if you're an outside person wanting to move to the state and play at a high-level high program. Uh, you know, and that's a testament to what he's done over there. And really, it's it's a never-ending thing for them. They, When I say program, I mean they have freshmen and sophomores right now that in the media room, they're already talking about them being Mr. Football candidates when they're juniors and seniors. They're already talking about Avery Hainsworth, which – Got maybe 30 carries this year, but he's going to be a stud next year. T.T. Hill was a sophomore this year. He's going to be their lead back next year. You know, and not to mention, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Coach Creasy's son, Kyler, does as possibly the starting quarterback next year uh, for Oakland. Um, so, Oakland's not going anywhere, guys. They they have it building up. The freshman team is – 32 and 0 in the last four years, average scoring over 50 points a game. Uh, they're not going to worry. If you're if you were going to beat them, this was the year to beat them, and nobody did that, uh, and nobody's figured out. You know, we thought with Coach Jackson leaving uh, that the defensive side of the ball for Oakland might be might take a step back, and it did at the first half of the year. But after that CPA game, they really got focused in and, and figured it out on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't. I expect them just to keep building momentum into next year. It's, it, it's going to be interesting to see what it's like with two creases on the field um, <laughs> next year. Actually, I don't know, Chris, if, if I recall correctly, uh, when we were uh, talking with him on Coaches in Q, he, he said that his daughter – you recall that his daughter was knew as much about football. Yeah. So she may yeah. be she may be wearing a headset. There may be there may be a whole <laughs> sideline of creases over there. There could be. Uh, there could be. This game was this game was close in the first half. We talked about that that it was a one score game uh, going into the half. But when I I realized that Oakland was just dominating when that we saw that uh, 16 play 91 yard march that took up eight minutes of time and just just ground beach uh and almost used them up i mean that right there uh took a lot out because they never could get they never could get done i mean oakland five for five in red zone chances they they just you know if they stopped usually they stopped themselves um but you know I would like to know what it would have been if uh, Beach could have come out of there after halftime and just that one in and actually taken uh, – had a chance to take the lead at that point, yeah, that, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, – It was 14-6. It could have tied it. Could have tied it. Yeah, 14-6. I was thinking of the uh, East game. Uh, could have tied it. I would have been interesting to see what would happen. I think the end result would have been the same because we started to see uh, – Beach just get worn down. It and it came down to what we talked about. The depth of Oakland. Oakland is a machine. And it's just, you know, they have a part wear out, they replace it. But you know what? They don't have a part wear out because they're constantly, you know, moving whole platoons in. That was the thing that got me. You know, you go into a package and it's not you brought in one player, maybe two. 
No, no. There were five, six players coming in at one time. They're moving whole platoons in. And you do that, you know, the team that you're playing against won't won't get a chance to breathe. It's just like Alabama and Georgia and college football guys. It's um, you talk about changing platoons. The problem is is not that you're changing out fresh bodies. The problem is, is the platoon that's coming in is just as good as the platoon that just went off the field, and that's the problem mm-hmm. yeah. for other teams anyway. <laughs> but and, I, I think you got to give it to the beach uh, Buccaneers. So, uh, you know, they got this far and, you know, toe-to-toe with the big bad wolf and stayed in the ring. Yeah, a lot of people thought that that game would be over with at halftime. Uh, and Beach, Beach hung around, and they were right there. They were right there physically with Oakland. They weren't just right there, um, you know, score-wise. That was a back-and-forth game. There was hard hits going both ways, both defenses playing well. Uh, the one big thing, one big takeaway from that game is, and one big takeaway from Beach, really, uh, Darius Johnson uh, had a decent night, went over 100 yards, but guys, throughout the playoff run, he relied on big, big long touchdown runs, and he would break through the line and look like he was about to bust one, and they would tackle him for a nine-yard gain, where it was a 50, 60, 70-yard touchdown run during the playoff run. Oakland would tackle him for an eight- or nine-yard gain. They kept the big play from happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good, a good, good point. Work. They tackled yeah. extremely well. Mm-hmm. Good work for the second and third levels, especially too, because a lot of secondaries don't tackle that well in those situations, but Oakland does, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back for a few more things before we wrap up. Let's see here, real quickly, from uh, Amy Medical. One thing we have not discussed yet is the Mr. Football winners who were also announced on Wednesday. And um, all 10 of those, then we'll bring that list up here. Um, yeah, you, you, you kind of see on the screen. Uh, the Mid-State flavor was limited to 6A and Division two triple uh, Division two classes, basically. Yep. And, there, and there's not a undeserving winner in any of these groups, I think that the the biggest eyebrow raise was uh, in Class Five A with Malachi Dow, but you know you can't take anything away from Deshaun Bishop. He had a heck of a year, and uh, well deserving of that award. Yeah, let's uh, Junior Cheryl Marcel Reed. Uh, Marcel Reed gets his. He was the runner up last year, and now uh, gets a. Gets a winner's trophy this time. And, and Junior Cheryl and his teammate, Caleb Beasley, were, were both finalists. And, and Cheryl gets the nod for Lipscomb Academy. Uh, Smyrna's Arian Carter and, and Blackman's Justin Brown was also a finalist, but Carter gets the nod. And DJ Merriweather for Clarksville Academy over Nashville Christian's Jared Curtis. Yeah, that, he's, that was what a performance this year by DJ Merriweather really carried that Clarksville Academy team. Offensively and defensively, guys. Uh, and I think he's the punter too. I mean, like I said, I think he did everything except sell tickets, and he may have done that. Um, yeah, tremendous performance this year by Merriweather. Uh, in- incredibly deserving. And, and you know, how about Arian Carter? I mean, you know, that that's a you know heck of a kid that you know started out looked like running back was going to be where he settled in at, and turned into be one of the more ferocious linebackers in the mid state. And I'll just go ahead and put it out there. He's going to be a, one of those ferocious linebackers you see in the ACC, too. Uh, not sure where yet, but he, I feel really confident he's going to be in the ACC. Yeah. And let's not forget the other area finalists um, in 4A. Macon County's Gate Borders was a finalist. In 2A, East Robertson C. Prince was a finalist there as well. And, uh, you know, a, a good year overall for – any finalist name and uh, four of them from the area have the hardware to show for yeah. it. So. What a year for Zeke. And then uh, I believe we've mentioned several times on the show, Gabe is just a sophomore as well. Uh, don't think he's going anywhere. I would definitely expect him back uh, 
barring anything crazy happening. And, you know, Marcel Reed caps a, a tremendous career. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the gold ball. It's the only thing that uh, I think that he lacked, but he's going to go on and do great things. Well-deserving of the uh, Mr. Football in, in class uh, division two class triple A. Yeah, and congratulations to all of those winners for outstanding seasons for sure. Um, a little different that we don't have games to pick this week, but uh, we do need to take care of some business. Who you got? Cam, your eyes lit up when I said who you got. I I don't I almost don't want to do this now, but 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 we have to. But we have to. Um, let's uh, go over those picks real quick from from last week. I had to take my hail mary shot. There at the end, and uh, you know, hit, did hit Baylor over NBA, but that was the only one that I got out of the out of that run. Uh, Reggie tried to get Riverside CPA through; it didn't work for him. Um, Scott, you and I had National Christian, and we came up a couple plays short. Yep. Uh, on so the second page. On the second page is where the carnage happened with the East Nashville page and Brooklyn. So. Uh, Guys, we tried. We tried to get y'all in and, and get you some gold balls. Yeah. It didn't work out, so uh, don't blame us. Don't blame us. But uh, you know, Tom had a nice little week, and he actually he actually went eight one out of all those last week, but uh, wasn't quite enough to overtake the fans who are going to end up a tied for second with me. So, so congratulations to you guys. So yeah, yeah. I tied the cat. I thought the cat beat. Um, yeah. You, you had enough of a cushion, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, Cam, congratulations. So, congratulations, Cam. Not just yeah. for the, not just for Long the show. Long stressful year and towards the back half. Just had to be conservative. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he, he, he pulled the sweep. He did pull the sweep. Yep. Uh but hey, I mean, I'll take our winning percentage. I, I think, I, yeah, I'll take our winning percentage though. Even though I finished in last, I'll take our winning yeah. percentage against anybody. I mean, we're all hitting around you know, 79, 80, 81 percent for the year, picking nearly seven hundred games. That's not bad. Not no. bad at all. No, not at all. Um, and I know we can take a lot of uh, flack from fans every once in a while on who we pick, uh, but guys. It, if you want to, you know, vote online, keep up with your picks, and see how you do. Yeah, yeah. So that is it for who you got, and that's really going to do it for most of the show. But we do have to take care of a last word from each of us for not just the Blue Cross Bowl, but for the season itself. Um, Cam, since you won, who you got, and you swept it, I'm gonna let you go first with it. Yeah, I said it on last week's. Uh, Mid-State 48, guys, it's just a huge thank you. I also want to thank uh, you, Chris, and you, Scott, uh, for joining, bringing me in this year. Uh, it's been a, an honor to work with you guys this year. Uh, I hope to be back again next year. Uh, it, it's been different for me not being in a radio booth, uh, still getting accustomed to that and still getting accustomed to not saying we when we're talking about Trousdale County every time. But uh, it, it's definitely been something that I've enjoyed doing. Uh, and look forward to doing in the future. And it's really uh, allowing me to branch out and make more relationships with coaches and fans and players. Uh, and I really didn't realize how much fun that could be just in itself. Uh, so I want to thank you guys for that. And uh, to our fans, guys, we got some more bigger things, hopefully coming next year uh, that, that all three of us are talking about. Uh, and uh, we look forward to having you on and, uh, just because we, we're going to have a little bit of a break here between actual football, uh, still follow us on social media. We'll be all up on it. Uh, several head coaching jobs open. open. Um, and, again, follow us on social media. And then tell your friends. Tell your friends. We need those, those subscriptions. We need those likes. We need those shares. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, you're really what makes this thing go is the fans. Hi there. Um, I really want to see, uh, thanks to 
uh, both Cam and Chris and Tom, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, putting in the hard work that they do. Uh, it, it's a tough, it's a tough gig uh, doing uh, the things that they do. Um, you know, whether it be interviews or the things you don't see behind the scenes uh, that they do day in, day out to, uh, uh, you know, to provide quality. And I think that's what, you know, when we started this, Chris and I, that was the one thing we wanted to do was provide a quality content and outlet uh, for the kids. Um, you know, and and I think that, you know, we continue. That's that's our mission uh to promote these kids in this area we're still doing it and we can with your help we hope to continue doing that so thank you thank you very much uh for staying with us and as cam said yes please tell your friends now if you feel like you're good you know you you get that post uh postseason letdown hey go to our youtube channel get an instant pick me up watch some of those old videos that you didn't uh may have skipped over some of those uh interviews that you you didn't uh you know that you kind of slept walk through <laughs> um and we're going to be here and uh you know and just because we're not uh covering games every week doesn't mean that we don't need input from you um you know contact us give us ideas uh things you want to see you know Again, we're for the kids, but we're all about you guys. And, you know, that being said, thank you so very much to our sponsors. Thank you so very much to our viewers. And thank you so very much to the players and the coaches that have provided and the other media outlets that have provided their time and, uh, you know, their friendship to help us get this thing moving. Have a Merry Christmas, y'all. It's been a fun season. And it's uh, it's kind of a shame that it had to come to an end. But here we are sitting here the second week in December uh, with new state champions, new Mr. Bowl winners, and a lifetime full of memories for a lot of players and coaches and fans as well. It's been a great ride. And I can't stress enough how much I want to thank each and every one of you who has not only come up to us during a game or, you know, hit us up on social media and, and just the, the – all the nice comments that you guys have had for us. That's great for us. And it makes us feel good about what we're doing. And thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Like the guys have said, we're not done. We've got plenty to provide for you, not just in the coming weeks, but also hopefully in the years to come as well. And though we've got to say goodbye to 2022, 2023 really isn't that far away because come April and May, you're going to have some scrimmages come up. It's really not that far away, folks. Just trust me on that. And then around about June and July, that seven on seven starts to ramp up again. And then the itch starts to come back. And it's not going to take long to get up to a fever pitch. And 2023 season kicks off in August. We're going to be ready to go. And I hope you are too. Uh, thank you to all the sponsors who have made this possible for us. Uh, obviously, Miracle Auto Group for sponsoring this show and the Player of the Week for Innovate Medical for sponsoring us for the last couple of years. Fifth-year technology solutions for sponsoring our scoreboard show, which will return in 2023. Also, the Fans, Inc. Definitely go check out wearethefans.org to see their mission and what they're trying to do for the programs in Metro Nashville. And also for Gastite for their sponsorship during the playoff run. We can't do it without your help. We can't do it without your support. Uh, our YouTube channel, go subscribe. It's free to do. I know people kind of wonder, oh, subscriptions cost money. This one doesn't. Just go click the subscribe button and get all our content right there in one place. It's easy to do, and it helps us along the way. It kind of helps us closer to our mission, and that's to provide some of the best coverage in Middle Tennessee of high school football for you, the fans. That's who we do it for. We love to do it, but we can't do it without your support. That's it. That's all I got. Thank you so much for all the support this year. Um, have a wonderful and safe holiday season. And uh, it won't be too long before we're talking to you all again here on the Mid-State 48, driven by Miracle Auto Group. And for all of us here at 615 Preps, we got to say thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Big things are coming. Bye. Once again, thanks to the fans. We are the fans.org for their Blue Cross Ball sponsorship. And one more thank you to those sponsors.
Intergalato Group out there in Gallatin. Innovate Medical. Fifth Gear Technology Concepts. Gas Tight. And the fans. Go to wearethefans.org to check out the mission for the Foundation for Athletics in Nashville Schools. Thank <laughs> you.